Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. And today we're back with Blake Tollefson and we're talking lots of different topics today. Obviously, ice is kind of starting to wind down. I know in northern parts of Minnesota, Wisconsin, the Dakotas, you can still find some walkable ice, but it is getting tough. Uh, Blake, you know anybody out there doing some ice fishing still now that we're in April? Uh, I had a couple of buddies out earlier this week, but it seems like most people have kind of moved on to to new things here, whether it's you know open water, river fishing, um, depending on where they're at. I guess some of them might have open water lake opportunities as well. Yeah, we're well, gonna let's talk uh, about some of those op- open water opportunities. I saw Eric Osberg from the Outdoor Report uh, with his son Willie and uh, the guide Randon Olson. They were up on the Rainy River this week and did pretty good. I think they put over twenty fish in the boat in a day. Uh, that Rainy River deal is something that's really really popular. It's kind of one of those first places people are going to. The launches, you know, there's snow all around them, but. Uh, I think the county up there does a pretty nice job of making them usable. Um, and that's that's a pretty good little fishing deal up there this time of year. It is, yeah. I've never been able to experience Rainy River. Uh, but from what I've seen, it just it looks awesome. I mean, it seems like that's really one of your better opportunities to catch a 30-plus inch fish in the Midwest, especially this time of year. Uh, it's, it looks like a ton of fun. I, I, one of these years, i got to get up there. It's just... Being like six, seven hours in there, you got to plan it just right. And there's a lot of right. factors that come into play with, with river systems. Yeah, it looks like a really good numbers bite as well. But I know uh, people go up there to get those trophies. And uh, that Osberg crew that went up there, those guys uh, didn't get any into any of the really big ones. I think they're a bunch of 22, 23-inch fish. But, uh, you know, Still 20, fun. Fish, 20 fish plus a day is a pretty good day, uh, no matter yeah. what we're talking about here. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's other opportunities closer to where you and I are at, like pool four. There's, you know, that's another one of those well-known places. I've done that quite a few times throughout the years. I never have gotten into any of the giant fish, but you know, we found stuff in the mid twenties and it's just fun to be able to get back out and use the long rods again. Yeah. I'm about 20 minutes from Red Wing and uh, you know, the highway that runs through town here goes right there. So we're seeing boats every day come through town to head down there and, it can be a little bit uh, weird down there. It can get to be uh, kind of like some combat fishing, a lot of boats close in together. And it's kind of interesting how, how the year goes on, you know, early in the season, they're out in the main channel. But as those backwater areas start thawing out, a lot of guys move in there and that's where they're finding those big ones. Yeah, that's what it seems like. Yep. You know, and then there's there's uh, the other opportunities like the Fox River. I mean, that's another one of those places that gets a hit really hard, you know, that runs into Green Bay. Um so guys that don't have a boat that is you know a place where you can go and catch open water walleyes this time of year and do it from shore yeah tom boley does a lot of stuff over there this time of year and uh our buddy troy peterson i think was over there earlier this week too uh just yeah. watching the line and seeing how things are going and yeah it's uh it's interesting i was over in that side of the state about four weeks ago and everything was pretty locked up but uh open now and people are out there and fishing and having a good time yeah escalates quickly (laughs) well speaking of good times uh 
my I've got a 14 year old son and 11 year old daughter, and they spend most of their uh, spare time checking out YouTube. And one of the things that they enjoy is Mr. Beast. I don't know if you've ever seen Mr. Beast, but he he basically, you know, he's got like 100 million uh, subscribers on YouTube. And he spends a lot of the money he makes in, in revenue, basically gives it away. And these guys, it's called, they're called Air Rack on YouTube. And they, they're kind of not quite to that level. I think they've got about six, seven million uh, subscribers. Uh, but they go around and kind of do the same thing. And they were just up on Lake of the Woods here not too long ago. And... Uh, Kind of spread some joy up there. They came up there. They wanted to take a trip from mainland U.S. up to uh, the Northwest Angle. And they designed these saw blade four-wheelers and saw blade dirt bikes. And it looked really cool, but, you know, they, they ran into a problem when they actually hit snow. Because saw blades, <laughs> well, they cut through snow and everything bottomed out. So, yep. uh Lucky for them, uh, they had a, a plan B. Eric Ramsey from Sportsman's Lodge was kind of following a few miles back to make sure they were able to cross okay, and he he picked them up and, and drove them up there. But uh, they had a, a few stops on the way and had a good time. you want to tell us a little bit about that, Blake? Yeah, it's, it seemed like it was a cool experience. I mean, to me, the the coolest part of that whole story was the fact the, the wealth that they split, you know, kind of spread around. They left a $10,000 tip for one guy and then a $1,000 tip for a bartender at, at uh, Zippo Bay. I got the igloo on the ice there. I mean, that's a ton of money. That's that's really cool to be, see people taking all the earn spread around. It's, you know, they're not just spending it on dumb stuff. You know, I think YouTubers, they get a bad rap sometimes for the things they do. So it's really cool to see stories like this. I mean, yeah, the, they uh, they gave that the Eric Ramsey. Uh, he basically had a bombardier and and it took him the rest of the way up the angle when their equipment failed and got to talking to him and and they wanted to help him out. Eric wanted to go uh, take a vacation in Utah and they they set him up with ten grand and they stopped by the the igloo bar, yep. uh, right off the of Zipples there and and bought a bunch of drinks for everybody and left the waitress a thousand dollar tip. So yeah, that was really a pretty cool. cool, cool story out of the Lake of the woods. Uh, Joe Henry does a good job up there kind of keeping everybody uh, privy to what's going on up there. Let's talk about something that, that you're pretty passionate about uh, Blake and that's electronics. Uh, yep. It's that time of year where people are starting to put away their ice electronics and uh, folks, if you want those things to work next November and December, when you pull them out, you got to do something with them rather than just let, let them sit. Yeah, it's. I think we've all been guilty at some point in time of just taking them, setting them on the shelf, and leaving them there until next season. But that's when the issues happen. Uh, so now I've been. I'm really proactive about making sure I'm cleaning those things up, making sure all the connections are good. There's not any damage to any of the cables or the transducer itself, and then I put a charge on. So regardless of the battery you have, you got to charge them up. It'll seal that acid. You have to charge those a few times. I don't have many of those left in my arsenal anymore, but when I did, I would set a reminder once a month, put a charge on them because you, they do lose that charge way faster than the lithium stuff uh, with like lithium ion, which some of the electronics they have, it's built right into them. Those you got to make sure those are charged. They don't have to be a hundred percent, but they should be stored at 70% or above. Um, so make sure you're, you're charging those above that and then do check them throughout the year. You know, for something like that, I might set a reminder halfway through the summer. And same thing with the, the Life Pole 4. 
batteries. Those, I think, they have to be stored at at least 30 to 50%, if I remember right. I just charge them up all the way, and then I check on them once throughout the season. It's I think those ones can sit for three months, but it's such a minor thing to just check on it mid-season, make sure everything's good. You plug it in, if it's green, you take it off, and you put it back on the shelf. Yep, just keep an eye on them. The other thing I would say to people is uh, don't store them in your garage. Um, you know, if you've nope. got a place in, in your basement that's cool and dry, you want to keep them kind of below 80 degrees. Uh, if you don't have a ton of room, what I would say, I guess, is to take those batteries and you should disconnect them from your sonars anyway. Mm-hmm. But maybe put your sonars in a tote and leave those in the garage if you want to, but take all those batteries out and, and just get them somewhere, put them in a closet or something. Uh, where they can stay stay cool and dry and they're not you know subject to 100 degree temperatures that you might see in, in a lot of typical garages so yeah you're not gonna have that temperature swing either in a house like you would in a garage it's not going to be 30 one day and you know maybe 70 the next so yep you're just yeah just consistent take care of those things the other thing i would say and you talked about a little bit uh you know those wires the the deucer wires and everything if you do have a problem Right now is a great time to get a hold of those manufacturers and have them uh, fix everything up because right now they're pretty bored. But yep. when you start uh, calling them up in December, you and everybody else is calling them up. So it may be more difficult to get that quick service. So right now is a great time. If you need service, uh, this is the time to do it. because yeah, I'm, I'm doing it now myself. You know, I had, had an issue with one of my units, so I figured now is the perfect time. There shouldn't be many many they're dealing with. So right, right, yep, they've got time to work on it. All right, let's talk about uh, fish houses. Uh, I'm starting to kind of get ours put away right now. Uh, the main thing I would say that you're definitely going to want to do is to wash it off. And mine's been sitting on the driveway here for the last month. It's been rained on plenty, but uh, I'll run it through the car wash. Uh, get a nice pressure washer there and try to blow all that salt off, get underneath of it, shoot up in there and try to get all that salt off of the houses, Um, grease everything up, uh, those pivot points, those cranks, everything, get some stuff on there. Then on the inside, uh, we'll go through, make sure that there's no food or anything laying around, run a shop back through everything, and then uh, just do a little shine on the the floor. you know, just making sure that you're not having stuff crawling in there. I actually store it uh, indoor at like a camper storage place over the summer. Because, again, in the summer, those places are slow. Everyone's campers in there in the wintertime. So in the summer, yeah. they've got plenty of room, so we'll, we'll put it in there. Uh, but, again, you know, a lot of people at this time, they're, they're using those houses in the day, in the summer as well. And they, they work as a great uh, camping situation if you don't have one. Yeah, I still think it's important, though to make sure you're taking care of that stuff. I mean, for me, it's like my, my lawnmower. I use it for, you know, for plowing snow and for mowing the lawn. Well, I still got to remember that even though I'm not putting it away, I got to do things like change oil, um, you know, check things over. So it's the same thing. If you're going to be using your fish house year round for camping, still make sure you go through and do all those same things you would as if you were going to put it in storage or at least some of them. Yeah. The question I get a lot is, uh, you know, if we're going to store it and put it away for the summer, should I store it up? Should I store it down? And there's a couple different ways to think about it. Uh, You know, if it's down, it's definitely harder to steal. And uh, that's the way I often will store it actually during the regular season. Uh, If I'm going to be gone or something and not be around is I'll, I'll put it down in the driveway, take the pins with me. Not that someone can't bring their own pins to do what they need to do, but 
Yeah. It just makes it one more step that they have to go through to be able to take it. But I also think if you store it down in the offseason, especially if you're storing it outside, you're just making it easier for things to crawl in there. So yeah. I would say uh, a lot of times, I guess, up and hopefully uh, you've got a nice secure facility to put it in or maybe put a couple extra chains or something on it. But I think storing it up does uh, keep the critters out of it or maybe even sometimes they'll just burrow underneath of it and use it as a fort. And I don't really want to deal with that either. <laughs> yeah, we didn't really touch on like the portable shacks, but it's that's another thing people got to keep in mind. Like air those things out for a while before you put it in storage. Don't just, you know, after the last time you use it, throw the cover on it and put it somewhere. Like I've had mine airing out for a week now in my garage. And then when we finally get a nice day here, I'll put it out in the sun and just any moisture that's potentially left on there. I'll let that kind of burn off, clean everything up, fill that sucker full of bounce sheets, and then, uh, you know, tighten up that cover and get it into storage. Yep. The bounce sheets help keep the rodents out of there. Oh, but they I think the main thing what a lot of people do is they'll be out there and, you know, they're in the snow or they're in the rain and it gets wet and then they put it in storage and they pull it out in the fall and it's covered in mold. And yep. that's not fun either. No. Yeah. Just definitely air mold. Well, let's talk a little bit of fishing before we wrap up. Uh, I know you're a guy in Wisconsin likes to get out and wet the line. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got openers coming up here in May in Wisconsin and Minnesota but uh, you got some some kind of some pre-opener fishing going on in Wisconsin. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we are fortunate enough over here to have catch and release trout season and catch and release bass season. So it's awesome. I mean, right now we're kind of in that in-between season where a lot of the lakes aren't open yet, um, but they're really not safe to go on anymore. That's when I do a lot of trout fishing. The streams are open as long as we haven't had a lot of rain or a lot of runoff usually they're pretty clean and fishing can be pretty awesome this time of year uh this is when i do the bulk of my trout fishing just because not a lot of people out and conditions are right fish are hungry they haven't really been pestered too much over the winter so yeah it's it's a really awesome opportunity i wish that uh other states would do this too you know if i know that uh with the catch and release bass season that kicked off i think it was last year was our first full year there was tons of Minnesota guys coming over across the border to take advantage of that. I'd like to see, you know, just an open catch and release for everything. Um, I wouldn't mind if if that extended through, you know, all of May to protect those fish when they're spawning. But I just think it would be awesome to have you go fish for whatever you want. As long as you're letting them go, you're letting them go. Right. Yeah, I, I live in western Wisconsin and, and uh, we've got Lund's Fly Shop right here in town and uh, I love just to keep an eye on them and what's going on. They actually just posted today that uh, the rivers are starting to rise. The trout streams are starting to rise just as melt-off continues, and we're starting to see some of that frost start to come out of the ground. Um, yep. But they're saying that the rivers are still in great shape, and uh, fish are actively feeding right now. The bite has been super good. And, yeah. yes, we do have uh, lots of Minnesota plates at the access right now <laughs> coming yeah, on over to do a little fishing. I don't blame them. If I was in their situation, I'd be doing the same thing. So, yeah, good times. And, and like you say, you know, everybody's out there. Uh, it's the crowds are light at this point, but, uh, you know, the fish are going back in the water and uh, no big deal. And uh, right. it's, it's been a great kickoff to the season. The weather has been cold, but, uh, you know, if you're hardy and you want to get out there and wet a line, it's sure, certainly a good time to do it. For sure. Well, Blake, I really appreciate you coming on again this week and doing this talk. And 
I love this this deal. It just gives us an opportunity to get out and do some talk, some fishing, and and hopefully get the audience and, and the folks listening excited about continuing their season throughout the year and just kind of living this fishing lifestyle. I mean, we'd love to talk ice fishing all the time, but the reality is everybody's doing different stuff this time of year. So I uh, love having you on and just talk about these topics. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.